Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. Welcome back for another episode of the T-Bone Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tarun Agarwal, and today we will be continuing our interview with Dr. Jennifer Lopez. In case you missed uh, part one from last week, do tune in. And today we will be uh, focusing in on part two, and part two really focuses on some advice that I was giving Jennifer. Uh, she was asking some questions and some struggles and some challenges that she's facing and, and how we work through case acceptance in our practice. And the conversation just kind of organically grew there. And uh, I so um, we went there. And uh, so now we're ready to go ahead and talk on uh, uh, the part two of our interview with Dr. Jennifer Lopez. Before we get there, uh, again, if you could do me a couple of favors. Number one, if you could take an opportunity to share this podcast with friends and family or through social media. We want to grow our audience. That would be unbelievably helpful. And number two, if you could take an opportunity to submit some questions and suggestions for the podcast by visiting www.tbonespeaks.com. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy our conversation with Dr. Jennifer Lopez. So does a hygienist take you aside and tell you these things before? Yes and no. Generally speaking, I only want to know things in advance if there's something I should be prepared for, like an angry patient, an upset patient, you know, something like that. But we have we have a hygiene worksheet that they give to me. So when I walk in, I already know who the patient is. Have I seen them before? When's their last visit? What they've diagnosed and what's going on? Okay. And then in, in our office, we also have we also have code words like we have what we call level one, two, three, four, five exams. So that also gives me an idea of how long I plan to be there. Okay. So a level one is literally a social visit. I'm coming in to say hello. I pop in anytime I want. Okay. Okay. A level a level four, three, four, five. I'm going to be there a little bit. A level five means that person has a lot of work that needs to be done. Be prepared to spend some time with this patient, and also be prepared to invite this patient back for a secondary exam. And you'll know all of this before the day. The day starts. No, no. I'll know this before I go in for the check. Okay. They don't know this patient before they get in. That was because I was going to be. Another question of mine, you know, if you're in the middle of a complex root canal and your hygienist comes to grab you for, you know, a routine uh, hygiene check. Yeah, they better tell me what I, I'll, I'll, they say to me, I have a level one exam. OK, but if it's a level five, what do you do? Then I uh, OK, it's a level five. That means I'm going to be there 10 minutes. OK, so I know that in advance. Right. 
So I know I'm going to be there 10 minutes. So I got to find a good stopping point for me. Okay. Because that's one okay. thing that I've struggled with. But does that make sense? Yeah. I got to find a so, so knowing because you, it's unfair for you to walk into an exam and it might be a two minute exam or it might be a 10 minute exam, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Because you said, if God, if I had known this was a 10 minute exam, I would have done something else yeah. and then come over here. Absolutely. So, so that's one of the struggles we were having, correct? Yeah. So I, I said, prepare me for what kind of exam we're going to have. Okay. And, and then, and then, um, so that, that way we know what we're getting into. And then the other thing that we've done is, is we break our hygiene visits down. We have 60-minute hygiene visits, mm-hmm. and we break it down into 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. So after 20 minutes, they come get me. Okay. So they don't get me at the end of the appointment. They come get me at, at the 15 to 20-minute mark. In other words, at 15 to 20 minutes in, they drop their little sheet of paper off, and they say, I'm ready for a check anytime you are between now and the end, and this is what's going on. This is the type of exam we're going to have, and I'll tell them then, okay, I'm going to be, I'm coming right now, well, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to be towards the end of your visit. Go ahead and clean the teeth. Okay, gotcha. But but if they when they used to come at the end of the visit, I was always running late. Yeah, that's what because I've been they, facing. They, they they always came to me at the end of the visit, right? Yeah, and they're so kind they're, of they're, rushing they're, to bring the other patient in. And if you exactly. see that it's like a level five case, like yours, it's like you're you're very pressed and you have a lot of pressure, and you're like, okay. I don't have, it's not the best time for me to, so, so the philosoph- philosophically, I want you to think of your exams. I want you to do them when you're ready, not when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want them to be prepared for you. So that means in my mind, you can't go in before 15 to 20 minutes. So in other words, the first 15 to 20 minutes of their hygiene visit is gathering information, doing the pre-exam, any records they need to do, any exams, any x-rays, looking around, getting ready for you so that you may show up anywhere from the 15 minute mark to the 60 minute mark. That's a good way. I like that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've struggled with, you know, being in the middle of a procedure and I have to rush out and then I end up seeing it's, you know, a case with a lot of non-restorable teeth, a lot of bone loss. I mean, I'm thinking like, okay, implants, like, but I mean, I, you can't take five minutes talking about that. No. And, and see, the, here's the other thing. So that patient needs to be set up for what I call major treatment. So you bring them back in for... Well, yes and no. So before I bring them back in, you got to decide, are they... Are they a good candidate for that? Do they even want that type of treatment? Okay, so remember I said no treatment, minor treatment, major treatment. So this patient that you're talking about, in your eyes, that's major treatment. Yes. Okay, in my eyes, maybe that's major treatment too, because there's a lot going on. Can those teeth be saved? Can they not be saved? I don't know, right? So my goal for that patient is for my hygienist to prepare them to say, let's pretend you're the patient. I I would say, Jennifer, there's a lot going on here. Okay, there's some questionable teeth. We want to make sure that we give you the best plan possible. Knowing Dr. A the way I do, he's probably going to want to bring you back for a dedicated time where he can sit with you one-on-one and go through your mouth tooth by tooth and give you the best recommendations. Okay. Okay. And then the patient would say, well, I don't have time for that. Yeah, that's what well, I was going to say. I mean, most of the time. Okay, that's, that's fine. And then Miss Jennifer, unfortunately, the way our practice works is we like to, we like to before we build a house, before we start building the house, we like to make a good plan. We understand if that doesn't work for you. And what if the patient just like is just one of those difficult patients just says, no, I want my exam now. I mean, do you refuse? No, I, I, no, I come in and do an exam. I, I'm legally obligated to come in and say hello, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I want my hygienist to prepare the patient that I'm not giving them a treatment plan today. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That their treatment plan is going to be at a second visit. Now, here's the second part to that to make that successful. I'm not trying to bring these people back and just create extra work while spinning my wheels. I want these patients to know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, Mrs. Jones, Jennifer, we've seen lots of cases like yours. 
Okay, some of these cases end up involving where we take out teeth, we replace the teeth with either something that comes in and out of your mouth or something that stays in your mouth. Okay, something like this may end up costing several thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah, I say that. Or my hygienist says it. I mean, I don't care who says it. Somebody says it. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. And that way, that, that way, if there's a financial objection and the patient doesn't want to move forward, I have no reason to bring them back in for a complete, what I call a complete exam. Yeah, you'll only bring back the ones that you feel like they're motivated. Well, I, that's what we hope, okay? Yeah. Nothing ever works. Yeah. Nothing in real life works that way, okay? But and now what they do, if they say, well, I'm never going to spend that kind of money, great. That's wonderful to know that, Jennifer. Yeah. Let's focus on the most important thing to you right now. What's most important for you right now, Jennifer? And then you would say, well, I got this tooth that hurts me right now on the bottom left. Great, Jennifer. Let's put together, now you went from being a major treatment to being what? Minor. Minor treatment. Yeah. Jennifer, let's do this. Since you're not ready, it sounds like right now, going through getting everything taken care of doesn't really fit into your life right now. Why don't we focus on this one area that's giving you trouble and we'll put together a plan today to get that taken care of. Okay. Sounds fair. Okay. Does that kind of make sense yeah. what, I, what I did there? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so 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 conceptually, we break things down to no treatment, minor treatment, major treatment, and then that and and again, from a financial perspective, my job is to give people an idea of what things cost. My job is to answer clinical questions. My job is to answer phasing questions, what their overall treatment looks like. But my job is not to walk through how they're going to pay for dentistry. Okay. So we have dedicated treatment coordinators who will then sit down with the patient in a, a dedicated room and walk through the patient what their financial options are. Gotcha. All right. Seems like a good flow. Very yeah, organized. I mean, it, worked. it works well for us, especially once we, once we got, and, and see, when I implemented that, that's when we started being able to do more complex dentistry. Because what I find, what I see with associates or with other people that I talk to, is they're taking models and they're taking records on lots of people. And very few of those people are going through with the dentistry because they're presenting treatment to people that aren't ready to hear it. Okay. So you, you've got to, you got to fish out who's ready to hear certain things. And it's not about the money necessarily. Sometimes like today, I had a person, it's not the money issue. It's his, his whole thing was, he, and it took me time to get this out of him, was he was worried about how much time it was going to take. And then his fear of how much time it was going to take. Mm -hmm. And as soon, as soon as I put that together for him, as soon as I, that hit me in the head, he kept asking me how long was his visit. And I said, is it because you're busy? And he didn't really want to answer the question. Then I said, you know, I, I know exactly what you're asking me. You're worried about sitting in my chair for two and a half hours. He said, yes. I said, it's probably because you don't like sitting in the dental chair, do you? And he said, no, I don't. I said, great news. We can look at sedation as an option. Okay. Then he said, great. I'm ready to move forward. That's all I needed to hear. So sometimes it's a matter of pulling out the objection of people. And, and we in our mind are programmed to believe or we're biased to believe that their objection is money. Yeah. 80% of the time it's money. But it's not always money. But patients will use money as the objection or they'll use, I need to think about it. Think about it usually means you didn't address their objection. And see, one of the things I struggle with or what I want to ask my team members is to figure out what in the world, like Jennifer, okay, you're single, correct? Yes. Okay, so if you asked a guy out and they said no to you, I assume you'd ask them, like, why? Yes. <laughs> you would, right? I don't know. To be honest, I know we're talking about something else and I would say why with the patient, but a guy, I wouldn't, I don't think I would say why just because I, I think my, the pride would get to me. I don't know. <laughs> to be honest. Well, I mean, you'd want, how about, let me ask you this. You'd want to know why. Yes. I would want to know why. Okay, great. Okay. So maybe pride isn't the issue in the dental office. Okay. So with patients, I, I'm teaching my hygienist who just joined my practice. I said, when you ask a patient if they want to do something, I'm said, that's a great first step. 
and they say no to you, you don't even ask them why. I said, you got to take the next step and ask them why. Why are you saying no? And, and you can't ask it that way. You can't just literally say why. Yeah, why you, are you saying yeah, no? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, you can't say why you're saying no. So are you, I mean, you taking have to your staff to like take a certain course with this? Because this is a whole course on its own. I mean, community. It is, but yes, but yeah, yes and no. The answer is the answer is no one on my team now has been through some of this training. And that that is a fault of mine. And in the past, I've taken my team to the Paul Homily training. And look, I like Paul. Paul Paul's a different bird. And I like him a lot. And I like his training a lot. And I think there's a lot of value in it. And I think a lot of that training, you have to, a lot of any training is what you do with it when you get out of it, is, is how you implement it, right? right. And, and I will tell you this, I would not go to his training without reading his book and without listening to his CD. And then I, I would do that. And then to me, training is not always taking people somewhere. Training is also sitting people down and, and mentoring them and coaching them. It's, it's, so I'll ask you this, how often do you sit down with your hygienist? Do you ever, have, do you ever go into a hygiene exam? And it's just horrible. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. Do you sit down with your hygienist at the end of the day and say, this didn't go so well. Let's talk about that. No. Okay. So how can you expect anything different of them? Yeah, you're right. So have you ever gone into it? Have you ever allowed them where you go into an exam and you totally screw things up? I'm sure, I'm sure it's happened. Don't say yeah, no, it hasn't sure. happened. Yes. You just, yes. you just don't know. Yeah. Okay. So at the same time, my team, I give them permission. If I walk in and I do something wrong, you better damn well tell me that I made that worse or I made you uncomfortable. I said something that made you feel uncomfortable or I said something that you disagree with. So let's get, let's get that fixed up. We don't want to argue about it in front of the patient, mm -hmm. but I have, I have a relatively open door policy in my practice. So when, when new people join my team, I tell them up front, I said, listen, if you want to be successful and you want to stay here, it'll all depend on how well you, talk to you, you take the initiative to talk to me. Yeah. Because if I have to go out of my way to talk to you, that doesn't fit in my life. Now, I've got all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably not even thinking about the things that they're thinking about. I mean, you're not. Oh, no, I'm thinking about it. But my answer to it is I'll just get somebody else. I don't even have time to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. So I've lost good people over that sometimes. So I, I try to stress with people right now is that if you, you control your own success, so you'll be, I'll, I'll coach you as much as you ask me to coach you. As much as you schedule the time with me, as much as you come to me, and as much as you're willing to listen to me and me tell you what you don't want to hear sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just like me telling you right now, you probably don't want to hear some of the things I tell you. So speaking of your staff, well, I mean... My team. Staff is an infection. Okay. Your, <laughs> your team, you kind of touched it a little bit, but your associates. Yes. What, uh, what struggles have you had with your associates? What is it that you're, you've looked for? What is it that you don't like? Like, what is it? I mean, what are your expectations from an associate? Uh, my wife, a psychiatrist, and and my 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 rock, what I call the rocks in my practice, the people that have been with me the longest and who have a great relationship with me, who just come to me and tell me like it is, tell me the things I don't want to hear, and uh, without without fear, they tell me I'm the problem. That I want people to get it quick. Uh, that I want people to be just like me, um, and that I don't I don't I lack patience with people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I would say this in my defense. Well, here's what I say. I expect people to be self-initiated or self-motivated. I'm not going to go out of my way to help somebody. I'm already paying you to be there. So why in the world should I take time out of my life to on my own help you? But I will never say no to helping you. So if you come to me and say, hey, I'd like to have this much time, or I'd like to, can you look at this case? Or can you help me with this? 
That's fine. And then the other thing I look at for people is, is I want to see how much motivation and how much skin people put in their, in their own career by investing in their own education. And, and I get people have loans and all these other things, but then again, I don't think you need to go out to eat. I don't think you need to go out to drink. I don't think you need to go out to any other things that you need to go out to. Yeah. So I think, I think people have their wrong priorities. Like, for example, I, I don't know if you live at home or not, but if, like, I would tell you that if you say to me, I, mean, I would be blunt with you. I would say, if you say to me that you can't afford some of the CE you want to take, I'd say, go live with your parents. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are decisions we make. And so I, I don't have a lot of tolerance for those things. And maybe it's, and maybe that's my, that, that not maybe, that is my challenge. So I would say that's, that's my biggest challenge is that. And, and I, fi- I find people to be very lazy. Uh, and maybe my definition of lazy is very different because I work, I believe I work very hard. So that's, I guess that those are my challenges. So what I'm looking for is someone who will, who is invested in being what I call a professional. Okay. And if I, if I asked you, what is a professional, how would you answer that? Being passionate about your work in a respectful manner. Okay. So I would care about the respectful part is somewhat irrelevant to me, but that, because that's a given, because if you're not respectful, you'll never succeed in business. Okay, because businesses are built by taking care of people. Yeah. Okay, so I love the fact that you said passionate because you have to be passionate. The, to me, the professionalism is about how are you prepared for the day? Do you walk into the office knowing your schedule? Did you look at, like, have you looked at tomorrow's schedule already? Have you looked at Wednesday's schedule already? Have you looked at this week's schedule? You know, you work from 8 to 5, let's say. So from 5 p.m. to 8, 8, 8 a.m., that's your time to become a better dentist. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying you got to do that every day, but you, you got to spend time on becoming a better dentist. Like basketball players or baseball players, they practice even during the season yeah. to be a better player. So a lot of people think being professional is dressing nicely and all of those things. But I dress like a slob, you know, and, and I get away with it. And, uh, so, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that I think at the end of the day, I think being dedicated to your craft is more important than how you dress, and to a certain degree, more important than how you act. Although at some point, your demeanor is more important than how good your dentistry is. Yes, I agree. Definitely. I wanted to ask you something that we didn't talk about. I'm, I'm all yours. I love talking <laughs> to you. So. How did you get into treating uh, sleep apnea? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, 
Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com. Check out our upcoming sessions and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Uh, I'm a sleep apneic myself. Okay. So I was, I, I got a, my wife was in psychiatry residency. Uh, they had a sleep program at her residency. And um, she said, you snore. You have all the classic signs and symptoms of this. Why don't you come get a sleep study done at our residency program? I went there. They said, you need a CPAP. I got this CPAP. I worked for six months religiously. And then I went on a vacation. I forgot to take it. And I stopped wearing it. Okay. And then, then I said, you know what? Uh, my wife stopped. I, I, I say this openly. I just said this on TV the other day. On, I did a TV show for the local news station. And uh, I said, my wife stopped sleeping in the same room as me. <laughs> and uh, so, and no, no man really likes that. Okay. So, um, so I said, I've got to find a solution to this. And that's when I learned about oral appliances. And my first exposure to oral appliances were snore guards. Okay. And then I went to a CE where they said, you should never make a snore guard. Okay. And that, that's when I started learning about the, uh, about sleep apnea. And then that's kind of how that started. And then as a business owner, I saw the economics of sleep apnea as a practice owner. And then I always looked at, I always look at it this way. I want to work smarter, not harder. And my goal is not to prep a single tooth. Like I don't want to do anything that involves a single tooth again. So I don't want to do a single tooth root canal. I don't want to do a single filling. I don't want to do a single crown. I don't want to do any of those things again. And the only way for me to not do those things is for me to replace my income and replace my time with things that are more profitable and more productive and more rewarding than those things. So like, so sleep apnea appliances and large scale treatment plans, like full yeah, mouth rehabs. Well, I, I, look, our practice maybe does one or two full mouth rehabs a year in the traditional sense. We, we do more full, mar, full, full arch implant rehabs than that. But I would say on the sense of full mouth reconstructions on natural teeth, we probably do one or two a year. So, but we do a lot of what I call complete dentistry, where we walk somebody through quadrant by quadrant within a year. Mm -hmm. And we rehabilitate people that are missing three, four teeth with various techniques. Uh, so I call that complete dentistry versus full mouth dentistry. Uh, so we do a lot of complete dentistry in that way. But again, I, I, say, I, say, I say this, every sleep appliance I do, that's, tr that's another 20 fillings I don't have to do. Wow. I mean, so, I, don't, I don't know I, the numbers really, but I have heard that they are expensive. Well, I don't use the word. See, see you, you, by saying things like that, you only propagate a myth that dentistry is expensive. I think you're right. They're, <laughs> they're not expensive. So, I mean, expensive is a relative term. So, and, and I don't want to say this in any negative way, but really think about this. You make the least, hopefully, you make the least amount of money you're ever going to make in your life right now. Okay. So to you right now, a lot of things are expensive. Okay. So, so there are a lot of people where they would pay their left arm to, to feel better, to sleep better. No, it's more of a get, health thing. I mean, it's, it's extremely course, important. Right? Yeah. So, so, so you shouldn't assume that it's expensive. You should always give your patients the option to say, it's your ethical, in my opinion, it's your ethical obligation to give patients the option to say yes to the best. Mm -hmm. You should never, ever say, well, they can't afford it. 
or it's expensive in your mind. And I think this is the biggest problem dental practices have with team members is that team members can't afford the dentistry they present. So they get limited by how much they can afford. So the average practice, their, their high level treatment plan is two to $3,000. Right. Because their own team members are limited by their own belief that that's a lot of money. So what's your, what's your pitch when you're talking to a patient? I mean, do you ask all your patients, do you snore? Like, how do you, do you present this to everyone that comes into your practice? Like what? what So so in theory, the answer is yes. Right. But so I I don't like the word pitch. I mean, maybe that's, but I I, I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe in subliminal marketing. Okay. Okay. Because I think we're all horrible at asking questions we're uncomfortable with. And we're all, we're all deathly afraid of coming across as a salesperson. Okay. So even though that's what we are at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, I believe that the best way to talk about sleep is to simply have a questionnaire that asks your patient, have they ever had a sleep study? Have they ever been told they need a CPAP? Do they, do they wear their CPAP? Do they have high blood pressure? Do they have diabetes? Do they have elevated blood pressure? You know, all so these you have these call- questions in your medical history forms. We have a separate sleep questionnaire okay. that we ask patients, and then it has an Epworth sleep test there, which people lie on. So we 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 do something to get the conversation started, and then I don't know. Did you guys take a walk around the office when you I were did. here? Mm-hmm. Okay, and you see uh, every room we have things about snoring in the rooms. Yeah, how how can we help you with snoring? And so these are the little things that we do. And then I bring it up in casual conversation. You know, I say, hey, how are you sleeping at night? You know, do you, do you, do you happen to snore? Do you or someone you know snore? And they'll always have this look at me. And, and, you know, they're like this look, like, what the hell kind of question is that? And I'll say, you know, the reason I ask is we're learning so much about sleep in our practice. And I'm learning so much about sleep myself that we're finding that we can help a lot of people that snore or don't do very well with breathing at night uh, with an oral appliance to make them feel better. Which, if you just, which if you, appliance do you use? Oh, it's the number one question people ask. What if it doesn't matter? I would say that's the least important thing. Okay. And I'll answer the question, okay? Because I want to answer the question for you, okay? So there, there are two or three different appliances I use, okay? And so can first, these be milled? The, the answer is, the, I, so that leads me into my answer. I only work with digitally made appliances. Okay. Okay. But they're not milled in office. Okay, so in-office milling of sleep appliances doesn't really exist quite yet. Okay. And I don't know when it'll exist. Okay. But I work with milled appliances because I think they're stronger. I believe that they're more bacteria-free and more resistant to staining and bacteria. And I, I believe in being a digital practice. So we're taking digital impressions for our, for our appliances. Actually, as of this month, almost 90% of our sleep appliances are digitally fabricated. Wow. From impression to final appliance. So our appliances are, yeah, we take Cerec impressions. Mm-hmm. So our appliances are either the OptiSleep, which is made by Serona, or the Micro 2 made by Microdental. So one of those two appliances, there are appliances of choice. On occasion, we'll use what's known as the Narval, N-A-R-V-A-L appliance made by ResMed. It's a digitally printed uh, nylon Teflon type, appli- Kevlar type appliance. Okay. Uh, so we'll use one of those two main appliances on occasion, this third appliance. But the appliance is the least important part because there's so many good appliances, so many good appliances. What's more important is creating awareness, creating urgency, and working patients through a workflow that gets your patients to say yes. There's so many appliances that work, and there's so many factors that go into making an appliance successful. And the bite, we, the we quality can't of the diagnose, bite. so you refer... So you- we have a physician diagnose. Okay. 
So after the patients, you know, ask, answer yes to a couple questions, you, you start getting talking about patient education about it, then you refer and then bring it back? Not exactly. So in the state of North Carolina, I'm a, I as a dentist, I'm allowed to prescribe and dispense a home sleep test. Okay. So we own four home sleep test appliances in our practice. Okay. So we will send our patient home with a home sleep screening. And then depending on what that comes back as, we will either have that read by a local physician or we will then refer that physician, that patient out to a physician. Gotcha. For a more complete, comprehensive exam. Okay. I see. What else you got for me? So what are some of your struggles that you're having? Well, really, I mean, the things I had mentioned before, you know, the learning curve with the technology, which I'm getting better at, for example, with Sarek which I still, I mean, I've gotten better, but I haven't, I'm not a hundred percent there yet. Um, so what are you doing to get better at that? Doing the things more myself than leaving it to the assistants. So in the okay, so, what do you, so that's eight to five. What are you doing between 5 p.m. and 8 a.m. to get better? To be honest, I've subscribed to the Sarek doctors. Okay. So I've just been like looking at videos. Good. And so I try to, you know, read a lot and basically just the spear videos and the Sarek doctor videos. Okay, I mean, so are you downloading? Like ca- are you downloading? Are you da- are you downloading cases and working on sample cases? No, I have not done that. So take that to another level. Okay. And I I know I know Samir unbelievably well. We used to be business partners and some other things. So um, go to their message boards and people should put up their troubleshooting cases, right? Mm-hmm. So download those cases people put up and troubleshoot them yourself. See what problems they're having. See what their preps look like. See how their images look. And start seeing what is good and what is not good. Okay. And see, instead of just watching the video, also also do what the video says. It's one thing to watch it. Yeah. It's another thing to actually do it. That's definitely been invaluable for me because, I mean, there's been times where I'm kind of stuck. And while, while I watch these videos, I'll jot some notes down onto my phone and I'm, you know, I experience them in the office and I kind of have to like step back, go through my notes. I'm like, okay, yeah, they talked about this and that's helped a little bit, but. So remember, again, if, uh, you, you will retain so much more if you actually do what they're talking about. I definitely agree. Because if not, I mean, it just goes one ear, not the other. But definitely just, I've been more hands-on with the Sarek. Yeah, the assistant can do it, but I, I'll kind of just grab it from them and I'll do like the scanning myself because I suck at scanning when I first started. I mean, t- I take forever. You guys have the powder, you have the powder-free camera? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right. So get better at that. Own your Sarek process. I'm telling you, if I, I, and I say this honestly, and I, I'm clinically biased, okay? Not financially biased, but clinically biased. If you know that machine inside and out, you, you, you'll, you'll learn so much more along the way. It is its own CE in of itself. Yeah, that's, you'll learn, that's you'll my learn goal. ortho, mm-hmm. you'll learn implants, you'll learn complex planning, you'll learn occlusion. You'll learn so much by just knowing that machine. Yeah, and, and I see that, and that's that's my drive right now. I, I want to get good at it. So so do this for me. Forget about the Botox and forget about all these other things. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. No, I, I, I get it. Those are noble things, okay? But take your energy and your money right now and learn how to really use that machine. Okay. Okay, really, really take, learn how to use that machine, okay? Because I'm telling you, it's the most important thing that you have. It's the most important thing that you learn, and learn how to use that 3D machine. Yeah. Have you have you gone to the initial 3D training? No. no. Why not? That's a good question. I'm, I'm telling you, that's my next step. My next step is to do 3D but, imaging because I know zero of it. Zero. But so how are you diagnosing with people? How, you're not even utilizing one of the best diagnostic tools that are available. And that was one eye opener. 
being at this office was the senior doc, he would, you know, if there was a, for example, I was doing a molar root canal and I wasn't sure, you know, if I had missed a canal or not. So we used that, the CBCT, and he kind of walked me through it. Another thing is trying to see if there was like a maxillary sinus infection. I I did an extraction on on this patient and he had a dry socket and it was just, we wanted to make sure it was an infection in his maxillary sinus. So we used that or trying to rule out pathology. Okay. So we've used it, but we've used it together. Not just me knowing a hundred percent each of the aspects of the system. You know, it's been me, you know, going after grabbing the doctor and be like, okay, can you please like see this with me, you know, walk me through it. I want to make sure I don't, I don't have a missed canal or whatever it may be. And that's one thing that was a huge eye opener that made me, that led me to be like, okay, I need to know this in and out. Seeing him use it so much to diagnose and that opened my eyes and be like, okay, Jennifer, you have to get the, the ball rolling here and get more involved with it. So that, that's definitely my next step, taking a course for that. Jennifer, let me ask you this. You were asking me about frustrations. So if you went to work somewhere, would you be frustrated if they forced you to take certain CEs? No, not at all. I mean, I've never had such a hunger to learn more than now. I mean, dental school was an animal of its own. I mean, we had to study. We had the boards. I mean, we didn't have time to like be so thrilled to like learn what's out there because it was so systematic, you know, and now it's like you really see what's out there. And I feel like, I mean... Yeah, I know the basics, but I feel like I don't know anything. Like, there's so much more. You, you, you don't. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> but it's honestly, it's very refreshing for me to hear that because my biggest frustration with my associates in the last few years has been that I don't feel that they think that they know nothing. I think that they believe that they already know everything they need to know. And the other big frustration for me has been I, I'm not the kind of personality that's going to force somebody to do anything because I wouldn't like if somebody forced me to do anything. Mm-hmm. I believe in letting people do what they want to do to a certain degree or giving people uh, freedom to make mistakes in, in a sense. And I, I think one of the biggest frustrations for me has been that my associates haven't taken advantage of the training that other people pay me thousands of dollars to come take. And, and I know it's good training because we wouldn't have full classes and have a waiting list for some of our training yeah. if, if it wasn't good. So it's people com- coming from all over the world, but were they comfortable yeah. with Sarek before coming, joining your practice? No, none of them have been exposed to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess everyone's different. I mean, I'm, I feel like there's so much more that I have to learn and, you know, I'm just at the very bottom, but it's fine. One of the oral surgeons that we work for, you know, I was talking to him about my frustrations and he's like, listen, like this is the career that we're in. It's a marathon. Okay. It's not a sprint. Okay. It's a marathon. There's so much more to it and it's lifelong. So just get ready and be comfortable with that because you can't just learn everything right away. And it's it's fine. I mean, I'll pace myself. And, you know, like I said, you know, I think if I take a course every four to six months, I think that's a good balance for now. And then I'll start. I don't, I don't think that's enough. Yeah. And I don't think it's enough either right now, but I don't think it's enough forever. So one thing, another for a struggle that I'm having is everyone is still in, in, you know, our heads is like save money, save money. So like I'm here talking to my financial advisor and he's like, Jennifer, you need to have X amount of money into your savings before you can, you know, think about opening up a Roth IRA or start making huge chunk loan payments. So I'm thinking right now, okay, I need to have this amount of money before I can start taking these C courses, taking, doing this, doing that. So it's kind of like, I've, I feel like I'm limited. But it's, that's, no, no, but that, that, that's, that's bad advice. 
okay, everybody believes their advice is the best. Okay, so I believe my advice is the best. Okay, okay? so but I, I think that's bad advice in a sense because that's a very one-sided advice. Okay, so he, here's what I'll tell you. Okay, as you take so here, here's a common characteristic of success, financially successful dentists. The vast majority of them. Okay, they have a lot of CE. Okay, so if you want to make more. You have to learn more. Yes. Okay, because because you will hit a wall at about the six-month mark where all you'll be able to do is fillings and crowns. And if all you can do are fillings and crowns, you will hit a wall on how much you can produce until you get to a speed factor. And then you'll hit a wall because you can't see any more freaking human beings. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then your only way to make more money at that point is going to be to learn new procedures. So I would tell you this, and, and, and I'm happy to get into it on the air if you'd like, or we can talk about it privately after we get off. But I would say that I'm a firm believer in planning for retirement from the day you start. It's the, one of the biggest mistakes I made in my career is that I didn't save money for retirement in my first eight years out of school. Okay. Okay. So I would tell you that right now you need to make the minimum payment you need to make on your loans to get paid. Just so if you don't mind me asking, what's your payoff on your loan? Not dollar amount, but years, 10 years, 15 years. What is it? It's like 25. Okay. So that's too long. Yeah. Okay. So, so let, let's, let's call it, what's a reasonable number of years you don't mind paying them for it? 15 years? Yeah. 15 years. Not bad. Okay. So whatever your payment is to get the 15 years, that's what you got to pay every month. Okay. And then money you have left over, in my opinion, at your age, at your age in, in terms of out of school. But it's a retirement. One, well, no, one third of it goes to savings. Two thirds of it goes to professional growth for the first two years. And then it goes half, half. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all-annex fixed hybrids, Mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www. 3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Okay, so let me ask you, do you work with a, you know, a financial advisor with these things? Like, is that something that I should be doing like right now? Yeah, yes and no. I didn't work with a financial advisor until I had enough money to work with a financial advisor. Okay. <laughs> and people, some people don't need financial advisors. Some people are very good on their own at doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, but again, I, I want to walk through my, my belief in this. Okay. 
So I'm going to use fake numbers. Okay. Okay. And you're welcome to correct my numbers however you see fit. Okay. Okay. Let's say somebody makes 100 grand a year. Okay. After taxes, that becomes $75,000. Okay. Okay. So let's call that $6,000 in, in disposable income per month. Okay. Of that six grand, how are we going to, how are we going to spend that money? How much does it cost you to live? Are you asking me? Yeah. I, I mean, with my bills and stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about your roof over your head, a car, all the basic expenses. I would say. Like if you never went out to eat, you never drank anything, you never that went on a date, none of that stuff. What would it cost you to live? $2,000. Okay, great. The fact that, oh, but, and that, listen, this is me being tough, okay? And by the way, I, I can't answer these questions myself anymore, but the good news is, the good news financially doesn't matter for me anymore, okay? All right. But the fact that you can't answer that question bothers me a little bit, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. So now, now we're left with four grand. Okay. Okay. Now you have some student debt that you have to pay, a minimum that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind me asking, what's a rough number that could be? A thousand. $1,000. So now we have three grand left. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's call it another $1,000 in like, I can't live like crap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So 2000. Now you have two grand left every month. Does that sound about right yeah. to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that pretty close to being accurate? It is. Okay. So of that two grand, I believe in my opinion, let's call it 1300 of that should go to professional development. Mm-hmm. 700 of that should go to savings. Okay. Every, every month. Every month. And the way, way, the way I would set it up is I would automatically have, how do you get paid? Twice a month or once a month? Twice a month. Okay. I would have $350 taken out of my bank account twice a month, automatically. Okay. I would never depend on myself to do it, but something will come up. Gotcha. Okay. So now, and then you're 12, you have $1,300, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That needs to go into a separate bank account too. See, these are things that I'm not doing at all. <laughs> I know, I know you're not because you're you know you're being advised by impra- I don't I don't want to use the word impractical people. You're being advised by narrow-minded people that are focused on their one area of expertise. Right. Okay. So now that tw- let's call it twelve hundred bucks to eight hundred dollars. Let's just call it that. Make it life easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now every month, so I want you to have in a way three bank accounts. You have your living bank account. Mm-hmm. Your savings bank account and professional, and your, your professional development bank account. So every month you get three thousand dollars twice a month put into your bank, your living bank account. Mm-hmm. Twice a month you take out four hundred dollars and six hundred dollars from your living account into each of those two accounts. Gotcha. Automatically. Okay. And then what happens is you learn to live on what's in your living account. Okay. And the next year when you start, when you go from $6,000 a month to $7,000 a month, one third of that money goes into your living account, one third of that money goes into your savings account, and one third of that money goes into your professional development account. Who, who manages this for you? It doesn't matter. Listen, it's, it's so little money, it doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Now, the professional development account should be, it should go away all the time, right? But you should be buying CD yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, your savings account, the easiest and best, I don't want to use the word best thing to do. The e- you could have somebody manage it for you. You could buy an index fund with it. Okay, a, lo- a low low fee index fund. What's an index or, or fund? Something like something that like a uh, like a QQQ or a spider fund or something like that. Something that's basically that goes up and down with the market. Okay. 
I would never put that in like a, like if you put that in the bank, you're going to earn like two tenths of a percent on it. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would put it into a, a into an index fund. But th- this is where those, those, that kind of stuff I'm not good at. Okay. That, that's where you probably should ask somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. But with so, with, at this stage with so little money, I would put it into a relatively safe mutual type fund. Okay. Either a mutual fund or an index fund. And I, I would put the same amount in every month and it buys the same shares every month. So that way you're buying at a higher price, lower price. So as it goes up and down, you buy higher and lower. And it's a long term. It's a game over the long haul. Gotcha. Okay. And then there's going to come a point where your professional development will slow down. Okay. And then you're going to switch to do instead of doing two thirds, one third professional development savings, it's going to go the opposite. Okay. And as you make more, you'll give yourself a little bit more to upgrade your living and you'll put a little bit more into your career and your savings. How did this take you a while for you to implement this in your... Yes. For eight years, all I did was spend the money I made. Now, here's the good news for me. For my, I never saved money for my first eight years of my career. All I did was spend on CE and just spend it on life. Okay. So at least I was spending on CE. But I'm telling you with true honesty, I would not have the practice I have I would not have the technology I have or the the money I'm making today if I did not invest in my practice and or invest in my education. And I invest in my education first. So if there's one thing that you would suggest for me to take now. You know, I've done the CEREC. My plan is to, you know, get really good you, at you, it. You haven't done CEREC. You've taken the first step of yeah, CEREC. Yeah, just the first step. And there's a lot to learn still. Yes, there's a, it never ends, okay, because they constantly improve that. And you constantly need refreshers, mm-hmm. okay? I would tell you that, in my opinion, hearing you right now, I would say, and I would say this generally across the board uh, for most, most associates and practices like yours, that your focus should be how to maximize those two 3D technologies you have. Okay. Your CEREC machine and your 3D imaging and how to learn how to get patients to say yes. Okay. I, I would spend the next 12 to 18 months focused on just that. Okay. And then maybe I would sprinkle in some Invisalign and some uh, orthodontics along the way, but I would focus on just that. All right. That makes me feel a little better. Stop, stop trying to learn all this other stuff. Okay. I'm just being honest with you. No, it, it was good to hear this because, I mean, it's, I was overwhelming myself, I think, for no reason when, I mean, it's always going to be there. I'm, I'll always have the opportunity to learn it. I just have to get good at this first. Let me ask you this. Is your practice already doing Botox? No. Okay, so and let me ask you this, honestly, okay? What good is it for you to learn how to do Botox if your practice won't do it or doesn't do it? You have a point. It was just okay, so what, personal, I guess, personal interest for myself. So, but, but that's a luxury item. So are you going to go buy luxury things in your life right now? Definitely not. Okay, so then why would you buy luxury education? That's true. It's a good way to see it. I mean, so, so focus on those things that produce for you, mm-hmm. that give you lifelong education, that's actually applicable to most practices. And, and then you can play later. <laughs> of course. Botox is not going anywhere. Yeah. And by the way, Botox is an elective thing. If you can't get people to say yes to crowns, you're How not going to you? get them to say yes, <laughs> yes to Botox. When you, because, you, because you're competing with plastic surgeons, dermatologists, yeah. day spas. You're competing with higher-end people who are trained in that level of customer service and that level of sales. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think you're ready for that stuff. Yeah. I don't think so either. <laughs> so then, so then don't, don't confuse yourself. So, you know, just focus. What else you got for me? What are the questions? I, I like, I like, you're my best interview so far. You ask me questions. 
So there was one thing I noticed in your practice, which I hadn't known, and the other dentists did, they were familiar with it, a Nutra. Yes. So we just started using that. What made you get it? Uh, so the, the people who started that and invented that are friends of mine. They live here in town. Okay. Uh, so they wanted me to try it and use it. Uh, so I did. And one of, one of the things that I like about it, there's some things I don't like about it, but one of the things I like about it is I can get started quicker. And that's not, for me, that's not about seeing more patients. For me, that's about not getting lost. So one of the, ten, okay. one of the tendencies I have is I'll come get somebody numb and I'll disappear. And the next thing you know, it'll be 20 minutes before I show back up to get started. And you probably have to numb them again or whatever. No, not even that. I just, I'll get, I'll be behind. I'll get started 20 minutes late. Mm-hmm. So if I can, if I can have an anesthetic that will kick in in 90 seconds, I don't leave the room. And the other major advantage, cause I kind of, I looked it up to be honest after, because I had no idea what it was, is um, the comfort, increased comfort because they don't get that sting. Do you, sure. do you see a major difference? Look, I think needles hurt. Okay, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> no one likes needles. So until, so until we can get rid of the needle, I think it all hurts. Okay, I think certainly it hurts a little bit less. It burns and stings less. But look, those, those, selfishly, those I, I, I care about those things, but I don't care that much about it. To me, selfishly, what I look at is I don't want to get lost. To me, the benefit of that type of that type of system is I don't disappear and show back up 15, 20 minutes later. Gotcha. Okay. Are already running behind. Because that, that was one thing that I wanted to um, talk to my, the senior doc about, you know, because we don't have that in the office and I mean, it seems interesting. So so th- there's a cost to it. I, I pay for it. So I, I right now I'm on a trial basis with them. So it was like three, four hundred bucks for the first month for me. So I don't know what the cost is ongoing. So I, I can't answer that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain that I will continue with it. OK, there's more involved in that decision for me. I'm a big septicane fan. I use a lot of septicane. I like how profound the anesthesia is with yep. it. So a Nutra does not come in septicane. Uh, it only works with lidocaine because the, it itself dispenses lidocaine with the sodium bicarbonate. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the concerns I have for me. And then there are some other concerns about reactions and things like that that I have not experienced yet, but other people have experienced that. Like so, side effects? So I, I wouldn't use side effects. I would use some swelling that occurs with it sometimes. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm, I'm speaking out of less knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking out of what I've heard, things I made fun of you earlier about, <laughs> what other people tell you. Yes. Okay. So so take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research on that. Okay. Uh, I think I think there's a, it's a good product. I do not have enough use on it yet to give it my personal endorsement, but we're using it and trying it. So what I like it the most about it is that anesthesia is 90 seconds to a minute to two minutes for upper infiltrations are 60 seconds okay. to 90 seconds. We're ready to rock and roll. So there's a lot of benefit to me in that. Definitely. Agree. So, so I don't get lost. Okay. Good to know. Another question I had was one thing that I've been struggling with. Did you like, did you like prepare for this? <laughs> I Listen. I mean, I have a young mind. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> Jesus, that's awesome. Are you kidding me? Is uh, I have I struggle with selling Invisalign. I don't know. Well, stop trying to sell it. So uh, what is it that you do? I mean. Well, I, I would say that we're not as good as we need to be with Invisalign, okay? So we're not the best at, we're not nearly as good as we should be with Invisalign. Okay, so, but go ahead, ask your question. No, I just wanted to know if there's like something in particular that really gets a patient of yours to be like, okay, yeah, let's 
Let, let's go with it because it's just, it, that's one thing that I've really been struggling with getting a patient okay. to say yes for Invisalign. So do, does, does your practice already do it? Yes. Okay. Is your doctor, your senior doctor getting good success and you're not? Yes. And I, and maybe it's, I haven't brought it up, you know, and I will. I mean, I haven't okay. really. So I, I would say this. I don't believe I sell Invisalign. I believe my team sells Invisalign. Okay. So I, I would say the first thing is, is if you're the first one bringing up something, that's usually a recipe for not success. Okay. You should be confirming. So again, do you guys have digital cameras in your rooms? We do. Do you guys use them? Yes, we do. So, okay. So let me define using them. When you walk in for a hygiene exam, is there a digital picture taken of every single patient? Not every single. Then you're not using them. Okay. By my definition, you're not using them. Okay, so I would figure out a way. I don't, again, as an associate, you have limitations. Okay, so I would figure out a way for you to not walk in to do a hygiene check if a photograph isn't taken. Okay. So in our office, I don't do hygiene checks if there's not a photograph. I see. So if you take a photograph and then you ask your patient or somebody asks your patients, uh, somebody asks your patient, you know, is there anything you see you're unhappy with or anything you'd like to talk about? Then, you know, the, the, that's the first step, right? And then I would ask you, does anybody in your office wear Invisalign? No, no. Okay, so maybe you should wear Invisalign. Maybe you don't even need to have crooked teeth to wear Invisalign. Maybe you can just wear fake Invisalign. Not fake, like fake brand Invisalign. I'm just saying Invisalign retainers. Right. That'll definitely okay, make the patient feel more comfortable and like they trust you more yeah. if they see you of wearing course. it. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Or somebody, maybe a hygienist should wear it. Yeah. Okay, so those, those are the things that... Uh, so, so one of my challenges with dentists is you're, you're often asking de- patients to do, do as I tell you, not what I do myself. Mm-hmm. that's like me telling you to work out when I'm fat. Yeah. It's like, it's hypocrisy. It's like you you're being or ignorant. I mean, however you want to see it. So if you just do those few things, there's no magic words. Okay. So if you just do those things, if you, and I bet money, okay. If you call your Invisalign rep mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I'd like to get some Rivera retainers made for myself so we can do more cases or made for a couple of hygienists. I bet money they'd either discount them significantly or they'd give them to you. And then you have your hygienist wear them or you wear them, and I bet you you'll see an increase in case acceptance there. And the next thing I'll ask you is, whatever it is you want to do more of, how are you subliminally selling that in your practice? What's on the wall? The wall, not so much. We do have like Invisalign brochures and a lot of models, but, but nothing but on the wall nobody's really. Picking those, nobody's picking that up. Nobody's looking. Those brochures, nobody's reading that shit. Excuse my language. <laughs> nobody's reading that stuff. Yeah. A, a thing on the wall is big enough for somebody to read in passing. A brochure, somebody has to go to it and pick it up and read it. Yeah, yeah. People are lazy; they don't want to. I mean, you have a point. So, I, I and I and, and you need to refresh those things, and that's that's one of the areas I've gotten stale on in my practice is that we haven't refreshed ours in a while. Even if we don't refresh the message, we just refresh the branding or the colors or the looks or the locations. Yeah, of some of those things. To change things up, keep things interesting. Yeah, you got to. And and so if you do those things, and if you make sure that your hygienists take pictures. You'll be surprised at how much more of those things you'll do. Thank you. I really appreciate that advice. I think I am definitely, I would definitely will do that. Yeah. So what else you got for me? Anything else on your little sheet of questions that you uh, prepared for us? I think I'm out of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Jennifer, I got to tell you, it was, it was great. I I really enjoyed our interview. No, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. I want to do more. I want to do more of these with people. So, um. Because it was a good, in my opinion, it was a good mix of I, I talk to you and then there's a really good mix of you ask me questions. And it, that's where I really thrive is when people ask me questions and, and I can give them advice, sometimes tough advice, sometimes not good advice. <laughs> I mean, we all have, we're all biased in our own way. 
but you know, I, I think you have the you have the makings of someone that can be a very good person in our profession, and I think that's fantastic. I would encourage you to to spend your money wisely, to to continue to learn at all times, and um, just just be committed to being a professional. And by that, I mean be passionate about what you do. Don't be too be patient. Okay, things come over time. You, you know, you're you're one year, four months, really four months into this journey. Okay, and it, it is a journey. And uh, keep be mindful of that, and uh, don't close your mind to things. So just just be open to those things. And and I really appreciate the the insight into your decision making process into associates and and all of that. And I, hopefully our listeners can glean a lot from that. And I'd like to have you back on in six months or so to see to see where you're at and and to see what's going on. Yes, so, of course. Thank you so much for having me too. I yeah. Really so if somebody it. wants to get if somebody wants to get in touch with the real Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> You mean okay. me? <laughs> yeah, the, Dr. J. I told you that's your, that's your new name, okay? Alrighty. How, how, how would somebody get in touch with you? I mean, by person email. email. Yes, that's probably the best way. And your email address is? J-E-N Lopez, D-M-D at gmail.com. So that's J-E-N-L-O-P-E-Z-D-M-D at gmail.com. Yep. So that's your email address. Mm-hmm. We won't ask your cell phone because that's inappropriate. <laughs> Although I already have it. (laughs) Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank uh, you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family. T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, Visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.